a lot of folks kind of naively believe there might be a ceasefire as as you know hackers saw the world grappling with the with the pandemic but um in fact most a lot of them are, are only taking advantage of, of this new environment and and trying to um to sow chaos Hello and welcome to Himscast. I'm joined today by Healthcare IT News Executive Editor Mike Milliard. Hi, Mike. Hi, Jonah. And we're going to be talking again a little bit about telehealth, and today we're going to focus particularly on telehealth and cybersecurity. There's been obviously a huge boom in the use of telehealth, um, and certain restrictions have been waived in the face of the pandemic, but that doesn't mean that all of the sort of concerns that healthcare eternally faces about cybersecurity and and uh, privacy have gone away. So, Mike, you've been doing some stories about this. You did a webinar on this topic. You've been talking to experts. Uh, what's what's the situation right now? Uh, well, that's true. They are the experts. I am just the journalist. And I, I, if you want to hear from some experts, I, I do strongly suggest you uh, check out a webinar I did about a month ago called The Cybersecurity Implications of Telehealth safeguarding the new normal of virtual care. You can find that on the HIMSS uh, Learning Center uh, website. Um, I talked to uh, the Chief Information Officer of Centara Healthcare. I talked to someone from NIST, who's uh, the Deputy Director of the National Cybersecurity Center of Excellence. And I talked to a uh, cybersecurity uh, consultant and physician. And they all had some very interesting insights about conducting effective telehealth risk assessments and securing um, communications devices and remote monitoring tools and that. So I, I suggest you, you check out that webinar as well. But clearly we've seen a massive um, surge in expansion of telehealth, uh, which has happened rather quickly over the past four or five months. Um, and while that's obviously done a great job for expanding uh, care options for patients and enabling them to get care from their doctors virtually, it's also um, massively expanded the threat landscape, the cyber threat landscape, and in and, and potential attack surface um, as it, it, at the same time. And it's doing so in an environment where the cyber bad actors have um, ramped up their game as well. You know, a lot of folks kind of naively believe there might be a ceasefire as, as you know, hackers saw the world grappling with the, with the pandemic. But um, in fact, most a lot of them are, are only taking advantage of, of this new environment and, and trying to, um, to sow chaos. So telehealth, you know, has made some big complications for cybersecurity, for sure. Have there been any particular kind of outstanding incidents um, that maybe paint this picture or tell this story? Sure. Yeah. There. Um, just to pick one that was written about uh, on our sister site, Moby Health News, back in June. Uh, there was a app uh, from Babylon Health uh, called GP at Hand, I believe, and there was an error that enabled a breach to occur where a patient uh, was able to access recordings of another patient's video cons- consultation. Um, so, you know, that's the kind of uh, challenges we're dealing with uh, in this new era of, you know, video-based uh, virtual care. Sure. I know there was that HIPAA waiver and, uh, you know, a lot of uh, practitioners were allowed to use video visit software that they might not have been able to, you know, might not have been 
um, supposed to use in, in other times for the duration of the state of emergency. And some of that software also seems like it might not be as well vetted security-wise. I know we heard about Zoom bombing in general, um, you know, outside of the healthcare sphere. So, I mean, has that been part of the problem too? Um, potentially, probably. I mean, yes. Uh, HHS Office for Civil Rights announced way back at the beginning of this on March 18th that it wouldn't impose penalties on providers who use non-HIPAA compliant remote, you know, console technology um, during this pandemic. You know, a, kind of an emergency measure, um, but. It also, you know, it, it did specify that um, certain um, tools like Facebook Live or Twitch or TikTok or other things like that should not be used for telehealth consult. But it, it did say that uh, FaceTime, Facebook Messenger, Google Hangouts, you know, Skype um, would be okay, or at least they wouldn't be assessing penalties for folks who needed to use them in a pinch. But I think a lot of folks expect, expect those um, allowances to be rolled back uh, going forward, although I'm not quite sure of the timetable on that. Have the rules of sort of what organizations should do in order to have the strongest infrastructure against cybersecurity, I mean, has, have, has that changed? Have the best practices changed at all in the pandemic? Or is it more of just a kind of a volume sort of throttle thing where where it's harder to to do those things um, at the at the volume that telehealth is now being used. I think it's certainly gotten more complex because you've got a lot of new X factors here. You know, it's not just the provider and the vendor and making sure that the data is locked down and kept secure. You've got, you know, devices of all shapes and sizes. You've got um, remote monitoring tools. So you've got, you know, the materials, you know, the, 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 the hardware, you've got patient uh, identification challenges, you've got provider identification challenges, you've got, you know, access, you've got a lot of data, you know, um, in transit, whether it's streaming remote patient monitoring, um, you know, ones and zeros, or whether it's video. Um, and I think, you know, the patients with, with, you know, them accessing care from their homes, um, is, is an X factor that, that doesn't exist, uh, when you're talking about, basic cybersecurity. But that said, I think, you know, basic cyber hygiene, you know, having a robust mobile device management program, you know, using multi, multi-factor authentication, using encryption, um, that is obviously a starting point. And I think that's, you know, pretty, um, most, most providers are aware of that, of, of course. Um, but of course, you're also going to need to be doing a lot of educating, whether it's, you know, training clinicians on how to use the tools securely, educating patients on what's at stake with their own, you know, health data um, and protected health information. Um, and, you know, it's just a lot of the challenges are, are we've been well, well aware of these. You know, the FDA put out an alert on March 3rd before, you know, this pandemic really was even gaining steam, you know informing providers about um, vulnerabilities in certain medical devices that use Bluetooth. Um, so as these telehealth and, and remote monitoring um, programs get ramped up, I think a lot of it is just keeping you know the same old lessons in mind. You mentioned remote patient monitoring. I wanted to dig into that a little bit. Um, what, what are the additional risks that those technologies create? Well, for remote patient monitoring, I would uh, strongly urge uh, folks to check out uh, this uh, document, this project called Securing Telehealth Remote Patient Monitoring Ecosystem, which, as I mentioned, is put out by the National uh, Cybersecurity Center of Excellence and NIST. 
and they go into um, great detail about some of the challenges and uh, opportunities for securing monitoring devices. You know, NIST really uh, shows the, the challenges that, you know, they say historically patient monitoring systems and devices used to capture biometrics data has been deployed in controlled healthcare facilities. But with telehealth remote patient monitoring, um, capturing that biometric data from the home, uh, risks are introduced uh, in that, you know, patients' homes environments may not offer the same level of cybersecurity or physical security control to prevent misuse or compromise. Again, this is all according to NIST. Uh, you know, as telehealth use increases, they say, it is important to ensure the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of patient data to ensure the safety of patients. And I think that's probably, you know, that highlights another risk here. I mean, this is not just about data security. This is about patient safety, uh, especially as patients rely on these um, connected health tools um, from their home. Yeah, definitely. And it just, I mean, we've talked a lot about the fact that, you know, that telehealth has been sort of uh, deployed as, as almost a, a crisis response to the pandemic or or um, sort of a, a necessary step as hospitals are, are closed for, for elective procedures and for, you know, a lot of sort of non-essential things. Um, but now there's a movement into sort of this, this new normal of how much telehealth do we want to use even when we get, when we do start to reopen, you know, when uh, in-person visits are an option. And so I wonder how much the, the security question sort of plays into how that future is shaping up. I think it's going to be a challenge. I wrote a, a report, um, at the end of June that used the term cyber pandemic. You know, as we already have one pandemic on our hands and now uh, they made the case that, uh, you know, as, as providers rushed to deploy um, cloud-based technologies, oftentimes perhaps in, in a hurry without giving the, the proper due diligence to their vendors, um, they set the stage for some, some risks going forward um, as they, you know, leverage these remote access and, and cloud tools uh, at scale um, in a, in a, speed and, and, and size, which um, they might not have been used to. Uh, you know, they say that uh, the long-term impact for healthcare providers could be profound, leaving business leaders and security professionals tasked with protecting an attack service that to date has been uncharted. And so, as I mentioned, you know, it's just, it's, it's greatly expanded the uh, amount of vulnerabilities out there. And if um, a, a bad guy can get in through one unsecured medical device, they could potentially gain access to, uh, to your whole system. So... Yeah, you wrote a piece about this that you suggested that you know it's it's the speed of these deployments, especially people who are moving to cloud hosting who maybe hadn't been doing that before, that that potentially opens up the vulnerability for this cyber pandemic, right? Right. Yeah, that's that's very interesting to me too because, um, yeah, it's almost like these are all sort of what we, what we consider to be good things in the industry. You know, these are sort of the the adoption of things we've been waiting to see adopted for a long time but at the same time um the fact that healthcare is suddenly moving quickly in a way that it hasn't before opens up these these new kinds of risks but uh, new tools are emerging as well to help uh i wrote uh, just a, you know 10 days ago about this new uh microsoft uh technology it's called you know, azure iot connector for fire which um is designed to help developers more easily create secure pipelines for streaming biometric data from uh, remote patient monitoring devices. Um, but I think, you know, at, at its roots, you, you really just want to, you know, conduct a robust uh, risk assessment, just like you would ordinarily to, to, you know, 
comply with uh, the HIPAA security rule um, and just pay close attention to your telehealth appointments and you know identify where your protected health information is, where it's flowing, um, ensure that you know your your vendors and, and are, are communicating with you and and maybe you know think about updating your business associate agreements with them. Um, and again, just um, educate your patients, educate your clinicians, and, and focus on uh, people, process, and technology in that order. We've written recently about some kind of ransomware attacks. I know there was that UCSF attack recently. Um, are those happening more because of the pandemic, or or is it is it just sort of a continuation of a trend we were seeing before this started too? Yeah, they've definitely ramped up. We've covered that pretty extensively. Um, it's not just hospitals that are being attacked. It's you know researchers, as we we saw clearly, um, the, the Chinese were were interested in and. In, uh, some vaccine information. A lot of there's been ransomware attacks on on vaccine researchers. Um, it's unfortunately has not abated at all. It's only ramped up, um, adding to the to the confusion and and stress of the moment. So the idea behind targeting the vaccine research is that just because it's so important that the the uh, the bad actors there expect that they know people will pay. Um, and it's so timely that they they're hoping that they they'll pay rather than you know trying to do anything else. Potentially, yeah, I think you know as as we saw, um, you know they they say <laughs> not to pay. You know that's uh, Homeland Security and the FBI have all said not to do that. But as we saw earlier this month, uh, you know UCSF did pay you know one point one four million dollars uh, to to ensure that they had. To, they could regain access to this critical data that was that was um, um, encrypted by by a ransomware attack, and that's kind of scary to think about too. In terms of we we've also been talking about how these hospitals are are doing so poorly financially right now, and just are you know running out of money because they can't do their elective procedures. So to add something like that on top of that, uh, you can't imagine that that's not you know hurting them pretty pretty significantly. I'm sure they would have rather not paid. That's for sure. What haven't we talked about yet, Mike, that you think is, is interesting or important or germane here? Are we missing any pieces of the story? You know, I think I would only just, um, for those who are looking for help, um, you know, there's there's all sorts of telehealth resource centers out there. Uh, you, you should just look for the one in your region um, that could help you um, with the telehealth deployment itself and um, with assessing you know the security risks uh inherent in doing so um again this uh, securing telehealth remote patient monitoring ecosystem from uh from nist is is very valuable and has a lots and lots and lots of detail um there's another um report uh, and guide called health health industry Cybersecurity practices or hiccup hicp uh, which helps with managing threats and, and protecting patients um and you know, again, I was just you know doing some reading on this. I I found a report that basically says to keep in mind that cybersecurity you know is not a passive or binary state. They said you know it's a vital part of providing healthcare, and it should be you know a cultural issue and not just a technology or an IT issue. Yeah, and that I mean, since we are sort of at a moment of culture change, there I guess there is in some sense an opportunity here. You know, as people get more used to telehealth, get more used to with different ways of, of working remotely. Um, they can also get used to thinking in a, in a security mindset and taking those proper precautions. Exactly. 
Well, all right. Uh, I guess we can wrap it there. Certainly, we have a lot of resources on healthcare IT news um, that, that we'll link to in the show notes here. We've written a lot of articles about some of these particular news events that we've mentioned and more broadly about some of these cybersecurity trends and and some different research that's been done into them. So um, you can you can dig in deeper on a lot of the things that we've covered here. And obviously, this is uh, something we'll continue to cover. Uh, you'll be able to read about this in our telehealth newsletter as well as our cybersecurity newsletter, which, Mike, you... You write that one on a, a bi-weekly basis. Is that right? Yes. Cybersecurity checkup. So we'll have links to, to subscribe to those too. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, keep, keep checking in uh, on a, a weekly basis. And um, until next time, stay safe.